You want me to talk to the nation in a time of crisis wearing a sweater? Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and I'm joined by... Brennan Fitzpatrick. And we do not have a third man in the booth today. We do not have a lawyer with us. It's just the two of us, no guests. And last week, though, we were joined by John G., John Gilpatrick, uh, and we discussed Deja Vu. And this week, due to a Denzel Washington in New Orleans connection, we will be talking about The Pelican Brief from 1993, starring Denzel Washington and, well, I should say Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. Julia Roberts. I, I already have our title picked out, too, for this one, now, so I'm very excited to get to it. Well, we'll see. I might have it. Um, But at the end of the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie based on suggestions sent in from you, the listeners, and us, your hosts. Uh, We'll be spoiling the Pelican Brief. It is almost 30 years old. So if you have not yet seen the Pelican Brief, good news. It's streaming on HBO Max for free. And I hear HBO Max is coming to Europe as well. So if you're in Ireland or Scotland, you might be able to watch it on HBO Max very soon. (laughs) Ireland or Scotland. Whichever. Or right on the border, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you, if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the Falcon Brief, check it out on HBO Max or check the description of this podcast. There's a timestamp in there if you want to jump ahead to hear what movie we're going to be watching next week. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something connected to the Falcon Brief. Um, yeah. I, I will say once again, um, you know, Brendan, we do have a like leader in the clubhouse for a connected movie to this. I think there's quite a few leaders in the clubhouse actually, because I mean. You know, I mean, John Grisham, I don't know how familiar you are with John Grisham, but there are... John G., another John G. Not John, another John G., boom, good yeah. connection. But, I mean, there are eight movies that have been released based off of John Grisham novels and a ninth John Grisham movie, if you count Christmas with the Cranks. Yes, which I, I do not. I, I did see that um, on Wikipedia today, that he did Christmas with the Cranks. His but uh, yeah, most of them uh, released in the 90s, too. So, I mean, it's, it's a, you know. I, I often, like, think about John Grisham and Michael Crichton as, like, yeah, the 90s authors whose books got turned into movies. And you mm-hmm. would see everybody reading their books in the 90s. You'd be at the airport, and those books would always be on sale. Uh, which do you prefer? Do you prefer the legal drama of of John Grisham or the sci-fi drama of uh, Michael Crichton? I'm personally a Grisham guy. Um, so my mom loved John Grisham, and she would always take me to Barnes & Noble. We'd get the latest Grisham. She'd get to read it first, and then when she was done, she'd hand it to me and say, okay, you can, you can read it now. And, you know, I mean, this started back when I was, you know, 12 years old or so with um, – you know, when the fir- the firm came out when I was 10, I'm pretty sure the first John Grisham I read was The Client. And okay. then I definitely read this and A Time to Kill, uh, Runaway Jury, Rainmaker. Um, I think the last one of his that I can remember reading is The Street Lawyer. Which hasn't been turned into a movie no, yet. No, I remember that was a big that but, was a big book, and I remember seeing yeah. it. You know, I'd see it at like the airport gift shop or bookstore or mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, I don't know why I keep talking about the airport bookstore, but in my mind, like John Grisham and Michael Crichton. Just oh like, yeah, he's <laughs> one of those ones that you is always like big display of Christian books at the airport. Yeah, where you yeah. Could, and people would always be buying them. And yeah, yes. Yeah, so I remember seeing that, and I was always like, all right, when are they going to turn this into a movie? Because it had like a very mm-hmm. interesting uh, cover and. Um, I think my mom might have had it could um, I, you know, from a long line of lawyers in my family. But um, I don't think I've read 
any John Grisham books. I've seen some of the movies okay. and looking through his books, uh, what is that? Not as like, not his filmography, but whatever you call it, his, uh, mm-hmm. the, the book version of the filmography. I'm sure there's a word for it that I can't remember. I don't think I've read any. Um, really? Wow. No, nothing. And I do remember reading um, the Alex Cross guy. Um, okay. I read all the Alex Cross books. I remember reading some of those and I read some, I read a lot of Michael Crichton books, um, but nothing comes to mind for John oh, Grisham. Wow. What's yeah, your favorite I, John I, Grisham book? I'm a huge Grisham fan. Um, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I read a lot of the books in the 90s. Um, I would he and Stephen King were my big go to like, OK, the new novel's out. I got to go to Barnes and mm, Noble. Stephen King, it's another and, one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe that I, I would probably say my favorite is book that I read is The Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really enjoyed the story that um, how it was constructed. The characters are all really interesting. Um Runaway Jury is definitely a better book than it is a movie. And I think I would say the same for uh, The Client is a better book than it is a movie. I like Runaway Jury as a movie, Um, but I've never read the book. And obviously, I haven't seen the movie in a while. Um, The Rainmaker is a complete blind spot to me. I know Matt Damon is in it, and I think Danny DeVito, and that's it. Um, Okay. So we'll we'll talk about that stuff when we get to... Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, with the Rainmaker, uh, that was one where they originally were going to cast Edward Norton, and they cast Matt Damon instead. <laughs> uh, so yes, it's uh, a they they seem to cross paths a lot in the nineties. Uh, but yeah, it's what uh, was it? Who was it that was going to be Jason Bourne instead of Matt Damon? We were just talking about that a couple weeks ago. Oh, um, uh, who was going to be Jason Bourne instead of Matt Damon? Now I can't remember. It was whoever was in whatever movie we just recently talked about. And well, that's how I shot can't. both of our brains are. We can't even remember. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Um, uh, it's uh, Spy Game. Brad, um, Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad yeah, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, yeah, Brad Pitt. How, how quickly we forget. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it's actually like, and there there are John Grisham works that are currently in development. I know um, Matthew McConaughey has been in talks recently to, uh, that he said on a couple of podcasts and interviews um, that he wants to do the sequel to A Time to Kill, which was published mm. recently called A Time for Mercy. Um, and he wants to turn that into a TV series. So, mm. yeah. Something I was going to discuss. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, I think, yeah, it just just to circle back, uh, is James Patterson is the name of the okay. author. I was trying to think yeah. of. He did like Along Came a Spider and all the Alex Cross books. So I read mm. the first couple of those. Um, I definitely read some Stephen King. I think I read the most Michael Crichton, though, and a uh, okay. big fan of, Michael Crichton books. Uh, Philip K. Dick, I've read some Philip K. Dick, and I, mm-hmm. I we've talked about his stories before, too, um, I think just a couple weeks ago. Maybe last week we talked with Philip K. Dick and, and how I really like um, Paycheck and Blade Runner and a lot mm-hmm. of the stories of his that have been turned into, turned into properties. But before we get any further, talking about the Pelican Brief, this 90s thriller starring Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts, not Sandra Bullock. <laughs> uh, there might be a reason I said it that. Could have been. Uh, it could have yeah, been. It could have been Sandra Bullock for sure. Uh, and Denzel Washington. Uh, Brendan, what's the best thing you watched this week? There are a few things that I watched this week. I did catch up on a couple of. Uh, I had fallen behind on the Criterion Challenge and mm. caught up on a cr- couple of Me Criterion too. releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about a film that I bet ninety percent of our audience has never seen or heard of. Uh, it's a John Cassavetes film called Opening Night. Um, I watched it for the Cassavetes week. 
released in 1977, starring and directed by John Cassavetes, starring uh, Gina Rollins as an aging actress who is also a fall-down alcoholic. And the film centers around the production of a play that she's starring in. And let's just say that if you've ever seen live theater or worked in live theater, this film is deeply relatable because Mm -hmm. it follows the trials and tribulations of trying to put on a stage play when one of your leads is incredibly difficult. Um, This uh, this really reminded me a lot of uh, All About Eve, which I really loved that I watched for my ladder last year, uh, starring Betty Davis. Um, this film was really, really good, and I hope people check it out. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, all I can say. I mean, solid four stars for me. Um, you, most of the cast you've probably never heard of. Um, I had certainly hadn't. I wasn't even that familiar with John Cassavetes. I know he's a uh, legendary independent filmmaker, um, but this is the first Cassavetes I've ever watched. Yeah, I, only, I I knew he made movies, and I'd only seen him in mm-hmm. um, in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, and The Dirty Dozen, he was in that as well. Yeah. Um, uh, my movie that I'm going to mention is not the Cassavetes film, but I also am behind on the Criterion Challenge. Mm-hmm. So I watched a Cassavetes movie this week as well, um, and that was Killing Chinese Bookie. Okay. Um, I liked it. I know Megan the Librarian hates it, so I'm not even going to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> Megan the Librarian has not seen Opening Night, so maybe she should watch Opening Night. I think she would like Opening Night, yeah. It's got Ben Gazzara. Gazzara? Gazzara, yeah. Ben Gazzara, thank you. Uh, He's in both of those movies. Um, My brother recommended A Woman Under the Influence as the Mm -hmm. Cassavetes film I should have watched. I did not watch that, but um, I might try to give that one a shot. Um, I will just say Killing the Chinese Bookie is weird because there's a version that came out in 1976. It's like two and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. And then that one's on HBO Max. There's a version that came out in 1978 which is a director's cut. Usually the director's cut is longer. The director's cut is a half hour shorter. Yeah, and and that one's Criterion. on Criterion Channel. Mm-hmm. Both are in the Criterion Collection. So it was like a decision of, do I watch the longer one? Do I watch the shorter one? I, I ultimately went with the shorter one. Um, makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to go with the director's ultimate cut of it in a case like that, I think. Yeah. Where both are available. I mean. Yeah. And I I, I even felt like the director's cut kind of dragged at times. So I'm oh, glad wow. that I didn't go with the super long one. Uh, but no, what I'm going to talk about this week, best thing I watched, it is the thing everybody's talking about. And I just watched the first episode right before we finished, uh, right before we started recording tonight. And that is Squid Game on Squid Netflix. Game! Yeah. Uh, I knew nothing about it except that people are obsessed with this show. And so I watched the first episode. It's a South Korean show. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. even want to reveal much. Um, I don't either. Um, it's just because what I've heard is the the less you know about it, the better. And I feel like I knew too much about it. Right. Even with uh, trying to avoid everything, just it parts elements of the first episode, like I could kind of see coming because I knew where the mm-hmm. what I had heard about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's definitely recognizable, like what you could draw parallels to with Squid Game once you start watching it. Yeah. But I don't even want to say, hey, if you like X plus X, this does that. You know, the I don't uh, yeah, I the parallel I'll bring to it, and I think it's a show we've talked about before. It's a South mm-hmm. Korean reality game show that yep. you and I have both watched. I didn't even know if I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> called The Genius, and yeah. I will just say it makes me feel deeply. Uh, guilty about watching the genius watching this watching this. yeah yeah if you if you love the genius and you loved parasite i think you would really really love this film yeah. i think it does i think it takes uh it's a show elements it's not a film. film i know it's on letterbox yeah it's of, not this show yes i'm not checking it in on letterbox yes. but i've watched two episodes so i'm also not going to say too much more but 
Um, yeah, this show really caught me by surprise. It was one of those things where everybody's talking about it. It can't possibly be that good. Right. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually uh, really cool. The yeah. one thing I will say about it is the show is pretty dark, like yeah, it's depressing very- and dark. And I cannot believe that this is so popular on Netflix. And it might say something bad about our society that this is the most popular Netflix show ever. Or at least it says something about the place that the people we follow online are in in their lives. It's not even the people we follow online. It's Netflix came out. They don't release numbers. And Netflix came out and said, this is our most watched show. Or, yeah, most watched show worldwide. Oh, okay. Um, Wow. That's incredible. So, yeah, granted, it's in in Korean. um, But... As we said with Dark, definitely watch it in the original language with subtitles. Do not watch the American dubbed actually, version. Actually, so that's what I did. Um, but I did hear, I think from Av, that it's, the dubbing is actually not bad. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, he said the dubbing actually is fine. So, um, you know, if you want to take that from the third Movie Ladder host original, he says you can watch it in dubbed. So, um, nah, yeah, I think, I, I, I think I'll, I'll watch it over. You know, I'm sure I'll finish it in the next like week or two. But I think yeah. it's, it's eight or nine episodes and. Um, it's, it's what I hate. I'm sure I've ranted about the Netflix release pattern before, but I do hate that it's all out. And by so everybody's talking it, about, yeah, yeah by the time I finish it, nobody's talking about Squid Game anymore. People are barely talking about Squid Game now. It was like this weekend was whatever. Uh, was the Watch about. just had a couple of really good episodes on, uh, Squid Game. Of course, Chris and Andy love that show. That's not a right. surprise. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're the only major people I've heard talking about it. Um, if you stay tuned to post your recaps, there might be something coming uh, next week on Squid Game, but we'll see. Yeah, that's, I, I heard them mention that. I I think it might only be for the premium people. But yeah, like, whatever. Yeah, yourself. We'll see. Um, also, shout out to last week's episode of What If, because it was super crazy and awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I always really excited for the finale tomorrow. Uh, yeah, finale is tomorrow morning, so that will be fun to tune into. Uh, All right, well, Brennan, let's... Uh, I don't. I don't have a good segue to the Let's Pelican Brief. Yeah. Uh, well, we've we've spent a lot of time already talking about John Grisham and all kinds of things. Uh, but let's talk about this movie it's from 1993, The Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan Pakula, of course. Alan J. Most... Pakula. Yeah. Oh, it's not Pakula. Pretty sure it's Pakula. Uh, that makes more sense. Uh, it's like you know Scott Bakula. <laughs> not Bakula. It's Pakula. Pakula. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Alan J. Pakula, that might be it. Uh, you know, probably most well known for making All the President's Men. Yep. And this is like All the President's Men, the sequel, basically, in my yeah, eyes. Yeah, basically, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Julia Roberts plays a young law student whose uh, boyfriend is killed when they start discovering. Well, first, first two Supreme Court justices are killed, and then mm-hmm. she starts discovering some connections between the two Supreme Court justices, um, and then. The mystery gets unraveled with her and the help of Denzel Washington's uh, Washington Herald. Denzel Washington Herald. Yeah. yeah. It's the uh, Gray, for the Washington Post. Yeah. Gray Grantham. And uh, they worked to uncover the mystery. Character. Some Gray very Grantham good names in this. Really some great. very good names in this movie uh, in general. And I guess that's because it's from a book, right? Like a book is yeah. going to have really great character names. John Grisham uh, is really good with character names. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. I especially like that the president's like chief of staff his and for a, for a plot that ultimately revolves around like environmentalists and people yeah. who are taking advantage of the environment for, uh, for oil that the president's chief of staff, his last name is Cole. Yeah. Like that is very it's fitting. A little, it's a little on the nose, but I love it. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. spelled differently, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, also, I, I also noticed that the president, 
does not have a name. He's just yeah. the, he's just credited as the president. Robert Culp plays the president in this movie. So, uh, yes, it is the hunt for the woman who wrote the Pelican Brief and the race against time to try to figure out how they can put all the pieces together and expose this in the Washington Herald. Uh, Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington work together in New Orleans, in Washington, D.C., two cities that I'm very City. familiar with. They don't go to New York City, do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's the are uh, they in New York when she's in the hotel? Doesn't she say uh, you can find me in New York and he goes to the hotel and that's oh, where they yeah, that's where right. she's okay. hiding out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't look like a New Orleans hotel. That makes yeah, more sense. Weird. Okay. Um well Brandon, what did you think of the Pelican Brief? So I overall I really enjoyed watching the Pelican Brief. It's a movie I haven't revisited probably since it came out. Um, and I was probably really bored by it when it came out because I was 13, mm-hmm. um, even though I probably read and enjoyed the book. Um, I thought this was really, really good. Um, I enjoyed all the performances. I thought um, it was really fun to see um, all the different, hey, it's that guy actors pop up. I mean, you had, you know, Stanley Tucci and John Hurd, who's been on this uh, podcast before in a couple multiple of different times. Yeah, multiple times. Is he, I think he's at least in the. Three timers club, maybe the four timers. Three timers club. club. Uh, yeah. So we, ha- yeah, and then um, Anthony Heald, who is like such a greasy bad guy in so many '90s films, where he's just like a sleazy lawyer type or sleazy bad guy type. Um, I really enjoyed. Um, I mean, uh, don't forget Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia know, Nixon shows up for Sex a scene in a laundromat um, of uh, Sex and the City, City yep. fame. Um, I thought Julia Roberts and um, Denzel Washington both did a really good job. Um, and I know that, um, you know, some of the reviews I read on Letterboxd were like, these two don't have any chemistry. And I'm like, that's the point. They're not supposed to, like, fall in love. Well, they kind of do by the end of the movie. Well, I mean, they they have a great respect for each other by the end of the movie. But, I mean, they don't need to have romantic chemistry to have on-screen chemistry. And I would disagree and say that I think the scene in the hotel room where they're getting to know each other for the first time and he's, like, trying to figure out whether she's crazy or she's legitimate is maybe the best scene in the movie. Um, Um, Yeah, so I don't think that was the best scene in the movie. There's two other ones that I really liked. Um, I thought Denzel Washington was pretty good in this. I thought Julia Roberts was pretty bad. Um, okay. She's just very, like, timid and, like, I, I know that she's g- having gone through trauma, but it just doesn't, she doesn't act the way she's... that I would expect uh, somebody who's gone through that kind of trauma would act. And I'm just used to the, like, confident, yeah, leading leading role Julia Roberts. And I was really glad to have a movie that is you know, really led by a woman because it feels like every movie that we do pretty much has mm-hmm. a leading man in it with a female character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't think Julia Roberts delivered that great of a performance. See, I, I disagree. I thought she, I thought she did a really fantastic job. I, I, the only thing I would quibble with is it definitely doesn't seem like she's playing a 24 year old. And I think that's part of the <laughs> disconnect is that she's supposed to be a 24 year old law school grad student. And I don't know how old Julia Roberts was at this time, but it doesn't seem like it seems like maybe she was um trying to play down to the age. I mean, not by much. So she was born in 1967. Okay. So 24 years after 1967 is 1991. So she's okay. So she's 26. No. Yeah. I mean, I I I do think um there are probably a couple of scenes where maybe it doesn't work as as well. Like I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I think the laundry room scene for me 
doesn't work very well, like, that's where it sort of takes you out of it of, like, yeah, you're trying to look like a person in disguise, and you look even more conspicuous than you probably should in your I mean, baseball cap and... You well, know, and I, mean, I will say, I, I won't bring it up now, but I, what I do like about that scene is that scene gave us, uh, gave me a very good connection to a previous movie that we did. Interesting. Yeah, tease that one out. Um, yeah, I think, and I'm just looking at Julia Roberts's filmography. Mm-hmm. So obviously her, you know, like her big break, I don't know if it was Steel Magnolias, but definitely Pretty Woman after that. Yeah, um, and Mystic, Mystic Pizza is her first big movie. And then... Right. And I, I don't know much about Mystery Pizza, except that she's in it. Uh, but in 1991, she's in Sleeping with the Enemy. And this movie, right. movie reminded me a lot of that role in Sleeping with the Enemy, where she's yeah, a woman who just suffered some trauma. Um, she's on the run. And, yeah. uh, you know, that I will not be surprised if Sleeping with the Enemy comes up later in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But this is two years later. And it did feel like they were trying to kind of recapture that Sleeping with the Enemy character in the Pelican right. Brief, right. where you know, she's this i mean she's a brilliant law student if she's able to put all of these pieces together a brilliant investigator and i i do like the scenes where her and uh her and and gary or gray what is his name gray Gray grayson yeah gray grantham (laughs) uh when her and gray grantham are are working together to like you know when they're in the library and they're trying to track down Mm -hmm. students but i just i would have liked her to be a little bit more um i don't know confident uh, yeah, confident and like uh, be able to do more stuff. Um, okay. Be able to do more stuff on her own. Uh, and, I, and so I just felt like her her role and then some of the directing choices kind of took me out of this movie a little bit. Um, specifically, like slow motion. Uh, that yeah, the slow stuff was all really yeah. weird and unnecessary. I really, really like the plot. I really, or like yeah. the, you know, like the ultimate, like what the ultimate plot scheme is in this movie that. Um, you know, that this is some wealthy backer of the of the president, mm-hmm. wealthy campaign donor of the president, super rich guy who's just trying to get richer off oil. And so the only way for and I don't know if it's really the only way that he could have done this, but he takes out these two Supreme Court justices so that so the president that he backed can um, can put two more friendly Supreme Court justices in there so that he can get his way into uh the louisiana bayou to get the oil that's down there in the nature and it's a the way he sets it up is almost like there's a initial plan and there's even a fallback plan if the heat goes on to the president and not him and the president has to resign then the supreme court justice will get nominated like in four years anyway and so there's like a that's why they call it like a four-year plan like it's not something he needed to have happen now but in order to be to be able to have the case get to the Supreme Court with the new justices there, he had to enact the. First See, I don't think that that. Down. I think the four years was like that was how long it was going to take the the trial the to get up to the yeah, justices. Exactly. That's what I mean. But, yeah. yeah, but he did need this president, the Robert Culp president, the president, to be the one who nominated these Supreme Court justices. Right. So in the end, he fails, right? Because his plot is exposed. But even if it wasn't exposed because this president didn't name these Supreme Court justices, you, the, the ones that are going to be nominated are probably not going to be ones that are going to be friendly to his cause. So is it a good plan, do you think? Or is it a bad plan? Well, because, I mean, he kills like, two Supreme Court justices. Well, uh, what, what, I mean, what I mean by that is, um, is there a way for this plan to have succeeded with no suspicion coming back on him? Because it so. certainly seems like, you know, a, a second year law grad student was able to figure out 
the connection of this Mm -hmm. pretty damn quickly Mm -hmm. and easily and Mm -hmm. expose the whole thing. So, I mean, it kind of seems like it was a shitty plan from Matisse, who we never meet in this film, right? No, and I like that we don't ever meet Matisse. I do really like that. I did see in one review somebody said a way that they would have cut this movie down because a big criticism of this movie is it's two and a half hours. I didn't actually feel like it felt that I long. I rewatched it um, before we recorded and it just kind of had it on the background while I was doing some other things after I watched it last night. And I, I, once you kind of know where everything's going, it moves pretty quickly. Uh, my only big complaint is that it takes like an hour before we get Grantham and, and Darby Shaw mm-hmm. actually like working together. It takes a very long time to set that up. Um, which is, I think, you know, I've had similar complaints about some other movies that we've done. The Sting about the two characters not kind of working together quick enough. Um, but yes, the fact that Darby is able to figure out the connection between these two Supreme Court justices that quickly. Like, she's very smart, but somebody else would have figured this out. And one of the justices was Rosenberg. And mm-hmm. Rosenberg is killed in a hospital bed in his house. So he's clearly not going to be living that much longer. Um also, you know, if you're a uh, Supreme Court justice, maybe, and you're, like, getting towards the end of your career and you do have a president who's in the same political party as you, maybe you should think about resigning. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think, yeah, retiring. Well, but although I do I do think Rosenberg was a different political party from the president. I think that's Rosenberg was the, was the um, one that was the same political party and the one that was killed in the, um, in the uh, uh, porno house, porno mm-hmm. movie theater. Um, was uh, the the opposite party. Well, because wasn't that the conversation that Grantham was having with Rosenberg at the beginning of the movie was about how everybody wants him to resi- wants him to retire and he's not? Um, or was it the other right. way maybe I Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah, the, I mean, those two definitely, yeah. the, the two justices were definitely opposite political parties. They're opposite right. in everything except that they both, the one issue that they both agreed on was that they both wanted to protect the environment. Yep. So first of all, wait a little bit. Is it Rosenbaum or Rosenberg? I think it's Rosenbaum. It's Rosenberg. I thought it was Rosenberg, but Let's yeah. See. Um, the the other thing I'll say Rosenberg, is that, you're right. Yep, yeah, yeah. So it, I thought that this, you know, was a really prescient movie for us to watch this week for a few different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. first off, I mean, the last couple of years with all of the shuffling on the Supreme Court, like really, the way people react to justices resigning or passing away or being nominated like people are so invested in who the supreme court justices are well, it's a lifetime especially in dc and you get like i mean seeing all of the different protests around dc in this movie hits so close to home because like Literally, every yeah. other day walking from my office home i could pass the supreme court and there might be a protest out front like yeah it's and I do want to get back to that because I think for both of us, I'm sure we both really enjoyed like just seeing the like on location DC places. Like this movie DC. definitely was filmed in DC yeah. because there's no, you know, there's there's, there's no, no geographic errors in DC. There's not like in a lot of movies I'll be watching, I'll be like, oh, he turned that way, but where he's going is the other direction. None of like, that happened. Even, like, even when they try to go to Georgetown Law, like from where they are and then they cross around, like that actually made complete sense. And I was yep, like, oh. Yeah, there's, there, yeah. and, I was like, I was like the Leo Jip watching this movie where every time they show a shot of DC, I'm like, oh, not even like the monuments, but just a neighborhood in DC or downtown DC. I'm like, oh, that's what downtown DC looked like in early 1993. And that that was a feeling I really liked when I watched In the Line of Fire a few years Mm -hmm. ago was the same thing. I'm like, oh, this is really cool to see like the place where I, at the time I was still living in DC, to see a place where I live. 
Right. In, <laughs> but yes. 30 years ago, 27 years ago, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like, so it, I really like that aspect of it. And same thing with New Orleans. I've spent a lot of time in New Orleans and there's a lot of landmarks in New Orleans, you know, she's walking on Bourbon Street. I know right the intersection on Bourbon Street where she mm-hmm. is. Um, I was going to ask you about that. Is that like, is it that like, are there streets where there's completely nothing going on and all you see is two streets down, there's yes. like a giant parade going on? Yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's everything New else Orleans, yeah. Like it's, okay. Bourbon Street, which is where she's walking, uh-huh. is Bourbon Street is very fun for one night in D.C. And okay. then it's, you realize it's the same bar over and over and over and over again and tons and tons of drunk people. I gotcha. do not understand walking around Bourbon Street when you're grieving that sounds like the worst place to be. She's definitely trying to get to, you know, her apartment or whatever. But yeah. But she's not even hiding. Like, she's no. not trying to, like, go into the crowd to run away. She's just walking kind of aimlessly. And it was. She got lucky that else. she was being pursued by the world's worst hitman. Yeah. Well, that's later I mean, on. The guy yeah. was a buffoon, but sure. Yeah. You know. But to go back to was this a good plan, uh, mm-hmm. I will say no, because. Mm-hmm. A, it was so rushed. Like, why are you taking out two Supreme Court justices within a day of each other? When that happens, everybody's like, okay, this is related. Versus let Rosenberg die on his own because he's clearly not going to survive that long. And take out Jensen or even don't take out Jensen. If Jensen is just so openly going to a porn theater, which I believe was a gay porn theater that he went to in the early 90s. You could probably get him tied up in some kind of scandal if he's that open. And with, for sure as I am, yeah, it could be, yeah. Um, especially, like, if, if it's a gay porn theater that he's going to in the early 90s, like, we, it's it's not like it's a friendly time for people coming in and out of gay porn right. theater. So if a Supreme Court justice is seen going in and out of a gay porn theater in 1993, I would think that you probably could figure out some way to scandalize that and probably, not have to yeah. actually kill the man. Not saying that that's right or what they should have done, but that that's the realistic way that it could have been yeah. better done. Right. So, uh, yeah, I do think that, you know, it's not necessarily that Matisse's plan is not really great, but I do like the way that it all plays out. And I like I that it, it that it reminded me a lot of some plot lines in House of Cards. Yeah. Um, specifically House of Cards season two it was very similar to that. Yeah. And um and a lot of this movie actually reminded me of House of Cards in, in different I, ways. So I really liked that part of, you know, Darby figuring out everything and the way to to like really pin down the connection between Matisse and New Orleans and the Supreme Court justices was a freaking PBS Nightline documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how wild is like how random is that? Like, but those were you have to remember those were really huge back in, you know, the 90s was like mm-hmm. the Dateline NBC 2020, another, you know, 48 hours or whatever, you know, um, a current affair. All of those like true crime documentary, like so and so disappeared. Some suspect they were murdered. Let's put, mm-hmm. see if we can put the clues together while our investigator, Keith Morrison, looks into this. You know, like those were such a big deal in the 90s. I, I had forgotten that aspect of this. And so I was quite tickled that that was like a thing in this movie. Well, and on the same front, I really like that the way that Darby and Callahan hear that the two Supreme Court justices have been killed is mm-hmm. addressed by the president announcing that happened. Because yeah. now they would know 
20 minutes after that happened, there'd be something yeah. on Twitter and they would hear about it. And there'd be yeah, this is a it's, pre, yeah, pre-cell phone, pre-internet age. Of but not pre-car phone. There was, there was a, car a phone. car phone. Yeah, there was a car phone. But he still had to have a giant camera for taking that guy's oh, yeah. photo that he was. Very, a, very inconspicuous. Very uh, inconspicuous, Mr. Grant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, you know, this movie is just a, a very much time capsule of 1993 mm-hmm. in so many ways. Like the the cars, the clothes, the two actors that are in it are, are yeah. huge stars from the early 90s. That it's a John Grisham story, again, like really big from the 90s. Uh, and And so watching it as that kind of time capsule was fun. Do you think an update on the Pelican Brief would be good where instead, you know, Darby's got a blog that she's writing or, a, you know, a YouTube channel, you know, kind of updating it for the times. Absolutely. I think this can be remade as a um, legal thrower miniseries, you know, one off one off season on a uh, streaming service. Like, I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet. Yeah, or I mean, it's, somebody it's, hasn't it off. but it's very good. I mean, it's, it's interesting that we don't have any Grisham IP being used by any of the, the, the streaming services yeah. don't either have like a. Like a Grisham, you know, they do like they do like almost like um, like so, American Horror Story, where each season is a different Grisham story that they do as a miniseries. That would be pretty cool. Um, I know that he released, um, I think it was on Netflix, it might have been on HBO, a six part documentary called The Innocent Man, mm-hmm. which um, was an investigative piece that he did himself. It's a true crime um, about a gentleman who was sentenced to life in prison and may or may not have been innocent the whole time. Um, it's a very good documentary. I definitely recommend people check it out if they're into that kind of thing. Um, but I really liked it. I believe it was six parts, um, and I think it was on Netflix. But mm-hmm. um, that's And then they wrote a novelization of it afterwards. Um, so that's why it's not on this list of uh, novels to film for Grisham. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's it, the other thing I noticed in this movie is the amount of uh, and it's something we talked about last week with Deja Vu, but just the amount of casualties of people. Like, there's just car bombs going off just all the time. And it's not – you would think, like, the nation would be under lockdown if, like, all these car bombs keep going off. And I do think Matisse is a little bit sloppy with the way that the people are killed, where it's just yeah, like, definitely. yeah, this person committed suicide, but nobody in their life thinks that they actually committed suicide. Like, it, there's just all these really shady ways that people are are murdered in this uh, in this movie, including by car bomb, we see at least two car bombs go off in this. Yeah. I feel uh, like there's a car bomb in every, si- at least one car bomb in every single John Gershom novel that I can remember. Okay. There's yeah. at least one car bomb. Like, that's his signature. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I wonder if he's Irish. Um, he loves yeah. car bombs. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe the listener could tell you. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about Dylan McKay's dad with the car bomb. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I'm like, oh, early 90s car bomb going well, off. Well, speaking of 90210, didn't we get um the dad from 90210 in this? No, it's a guy who I know who you're, oh, you're of James Eckhold, I think. Yeah, I was Eckhart. thinking of James uh, Eckhold, and it's yeah. there's a guy that looks like the dad from 90210. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not him. Okay. Uh, are you thinking about the guy who was the like assassin that was in? No, Rantham's I'm talking Hotel? about the FBI. The FBI guy. Oh no, not Voiles. Um, his first name is James, actually, but no, it's not him. Um, okay, gotcha. One thing I did think of in this is that there's just too many kind of 
generic bad guy people. And it's it was hard mm. for me, even on a second watch, to keep straight. I mean, you have Cole, but even Cole kind of looks like a couple other people in this movie. And then you have that one guy who works at the law Cole, firm. It's like the informant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Velmano. Um, yeah. You have, you know, you have John Hurd's character. He's, he's not a bad guy, but you have William Atherton. Like, you have all of these insiders, and they all play, like, a semi-role. And I would have rather kind of been two or three people. And yeah. maybe it's a book thing, right? Where in the book, you can have all these characters have and all these. names. And so you don't, in your right. mind, like, confuse them because they kind of look alike. Right. But in the movie, it I was like, wait, which guy is that? Is that guy in the FBI? Is that guy in the CIA? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and it, it especially got that way with, when we're introduced to the lawyers, you know, about three quarters mm-hmm. of the way right. through the film with the evil law firm. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, are those? OK, they work for the law firm. Got right. it. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And the and, law firm, it's like the FBI's law firm or the White House's yeah, law exactly. firm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you have all these characters and meanwhile, you know, a, you have a movie that some people say is a little bit bloated, a little bit too long, mm-hmm. but also you're just not getting a ton of Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington doing stuff. And I think it could have right. been, I don't know. I, I liked when they were piecing the investigation together, like when they were in the library and then when they go to meet with the guy who's the intern at the law firm, yeah. um, you know, when they're just kind of like tag teaming these things and, yeah. You know, and, and Gray's like, you do this thing, and Darby, you do this thing. Yeah, um, I liked all that. I, I thought that was like that teamwork, and and that that's a good way for them to both show competence, which is the yeah. word I was looking for earlier. Um, but I just wish Darby had a little bit more competence because yeah. she really could have been the one leading everything. Yeah, um, I wish we had gotten a little more explanation instead of just a one-off line at the very end. Um, during the uh, denouement when they finally figure everything out in the offices of the Washington Post as to like so the Stanley, sorry the Washington Herald damn it I knew I was going to do that <laughs> so Stanley Tucci kills John Hurd and yes. pretends to be him in a great scene I, I really in really like that scene. scene yeah because I, I love how the way that's shot where they're yeah. shooting the the mirror and you yeah. see you see John Hurd's face kind of slowly disappear. Yeah. I wish I would have stuck with that and you would have just watched the the mirror door open and his whole face disappear and then he gets killed. But you see it like part open and then he walks in and out of the room. Oh, yeah. He's like playing with his belly fat. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's really funny. So yeah. my question for you is, first off, does Stanley Tucci make a passable John Hurd? Uh, no, I, I think Stanley Tucci has got to be a lot of, a lot taller than John Hurd. 5'10"? He's not 5'10"? I think I think John Hurd said he's five eight, didn't he? Oh, did he say he was five eight? Oh yeah. man, five eight, five eight, one eighty, trying to lose a little bit. Uh, yeah, right. said. Aren't we all? <laughs> so, uh, so he does not. He does not. So would would Stanley Tucci have made a good dad in Home Alone? Is my next question. Terrible dad. No, he Terrible he's not. Dad? He does not have the he's not have the wackiness of John Hurd to pull that. Okay, off. would he have been good in After Hours as the bartender? I say yes. Yeah, they, he would have been fine in that. He would have been um, fine in bar- as a bartender. Right? I do really like when Stanley Tucci like shoves the pillow in his uh to you know to get himself up to one eighty. Like Stanley Tucci's oh, yeah, too yeah, skinny. Yeah. To be, <laughs> like I like that yeah. some of that stuff pays off. Right, that that line of yeah. like I'm 180 pounds, and then he he sticks the pillow in his in yeah. his in his shirt. Um, and I like how quickly he's able to do a John Hurt impression. Like that he, was hilarious. Yeah. I love that. He he delivers the line and it's in like an Eastern European accent and then he coughs once and <clears> his throat <throat> and then all of a sudden he sounds like John Hurd and it's like wow because it's Stanley Tucci's regular voice he's like <laughs> it's true um, yeah. so my second question is so the, what I really wanted to get at is I still didn't quite understand who killed Stanley Tucci's character and 
why they had somebody following Darby that then protected her. I do not quite understand that either. It was one of the guys with the FBI. It might have been, um, and I don't even, I'm trying to pull up his name now, the FBI director Boyles, because he was like trying to kind of protect his ass a little bit because he didn't trust this president where the president asked him to not, um, you know, to obstruct, obstruct justice, which, you know, crazy. They have a story about obstructing justice in 1993 because just a couple years later, that's going to be the whole impeachment for Bill Clinton. Uh, it's about his obstruction, obstruction of justice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of that, some of the details, like I even would rewind some of the scenes and still some of the details didn't quite make sense to me. And I was like, mm. all right, I'll just go with it. Um, yeah. 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 There was a line where when Darby and Gray first meet each other and, uh, you know, Gray says, why did you call me? You know, of all, right. of all people. And I rewound that three times because I kept thinking that she was saying Callahan was a man. And so it's like Callahan was a man and you're a man. And so I trust you. Yeah. yeah. Was Callahan was a fan. So maybe we should have yeah. done the fan this week. Maybe we should have done the fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I talked about it earlier, but there were two scenes that I really liked in this movie. Yeah. Um, the first is right after the funeral for one of the Supreme Court justices. Mm. You get the scene of Cole and the president in the back of the limo. And yeah. Cole is kind of briefing the president on what's going on and you know, again, I, I was trying to figure out, is Cole in on this? Is Cole trying to protect the president? Yeah, um, I was like, we need to nominate environmentalists to the Supreme Court so that you're protected against this. Mm. Um, and just that whole that that whole discussion between them, that scene between them, I thought was really good. And I really love like the president when he realizes that people have started to put together what's going on. He's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. But I, mean, so. I don't think either of them were like actually involved. It was just something Matisse was trying to do. Right. Like. And so either way, they would be implicated like like it would blow back on them. Exactly. They're really just trying to cover this thing up. And maybe it all started because the president thinks like this Pelican brief thing is just, you know, it's just a story or whatever. And he just doesn't want Matisse to even be investigated because of his connections to Matisse. Right. I think that's more what it is. Yeah, it's it's a very house of cards. It's very, very, very much. It's very you create the problem by trying to cover up something that you probably could have found out another solution to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very like you're creating more of a problem. So what is the solution then? Right. So these two Supreme court justices get killed. The president gets this brief I mean, about how Matisse might be involved. He has a history with Matisse. He's gotten $4 million from Matisse. What do you, if you're the president, what do you then do? You open up an independent in- investigation against you know, to find out who killed the two Supreme Court justices. I mean, that's the legal and right thing to do, even if it turns out to be Matisse, because mm-hmm. they don't know for sure that it was that this is just a theory that a grad student came up with. They don't know for sure that it is until people start dying, mm-hmm. you know, that it is true. So, I mean, right. the the president should have immediately announced an independent investigation into both of the deaths to so that he could wash his hands of, you know, do, any should he, should he like, give any campaign contributions back to Matisse no, while he's under no. investigation? No, yeah. keep the money. I, I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is, but I do think that we were very close to his reelection campaign. Um, and I think that's kind of driving some of this cover up, some of the wanting to protect right. Matisse and the urgency on Matisse's end, because if it is close to reelection time to the election, then maybe that's why he needs to really quickly knock off both Supreme Court justices so that 
the president isn't trying to nominate two justices during an election year, because obviously we know you you cannot nominate Supreme Court justices during an election year. Right. That is a precedent that has been set. Oh, so. yeah, that is totally a precedent that has been set. Um, so the other scene that I really liked in this movie, and I think this is, you know, this is a climactic scene. This is the one that very much connects to what I think is um, one of the, you know, one of the really strong contenders for next week's movie. Um, mm-hmm. But that is the parking structure scene. The whole chase yeah. in the parking structure, the bomb almost getting going off, yeah. and running around the parking structure, you know, very Seinfeld-ish, right? Like riding, yeah. running around the parking structure in the 90s. So. Yeah, I thought that was all really well done. Um, I I thought that the, you know, the bomb scene, while, you know, sort of ramped up for intensity, still really worked for me. Like, even if it was a little cheesy, like, I, I it still really worked for me. Like, even if I knew, you know, what was going on, like, it was. Did you ever think that, I mean, you've read the book and. Yeah, I knew, I knew the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd seen so, the movie, like, did you, did you think at all that they were ever going to turn on the car and set off the, the bomb? No, like, no, no, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I so I've never read the book they, or seen the movie, and I there was no chance that they were going right. to blow up. Yeah, and there's no chance because they're your, you know, two main protagonists. They're not right. going to blow up in the car. Um, whereas you give Sam Shepard a meaty role for 45 minutes, and he turns a key. Yeah, it's fine that he blows up. But I love right. Sam well, yeah. Shepard. I thought he was fantastic. Um, he was good. I, What I don't like about him is just that that's really the only thing that we know about Darby is she's a law student or a law school student, depending on uh, how you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. she is dating her professor, sleeping with her professor. And do you know anything else about her in this movie? About her? Unfortunately, um, well, she has a sister in Colorado. And she she wants to live on the beach somewhere. Yeah, she wants to live Which we don't even really know. She never says earlier in the movie, like, I'd love to sit on the, um, yeah. Yeah. We don't know where she's originally from, where she grew up. Like, it's, we need a little more on her. She likes the New York Knicks. We learned that. Um, And, I I mean, she's, I would assume she's actually from New York, if I had to guess. Because she goes to New York. She wears the Knicks hat. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, she lives in New Orleans. But, yeah, we just don't, we don't, and I don't know if in the book we learn more about her. um, But for a movie that's two and a half hours that we really... Don't know anything about her except like the very basics. I mean, we don't know anything about about Great Grantham either. I mean, he's a he's a workaholic yeah. uh, reporter lives alone lives in alone. a townhouse, probably in Northeast, probably near Stanton Park. I would guess. I have no Where idea. I think uh, I don't. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the like neighborhood situation was like in 1993. In that's fair. That's fair. It, it reminded me a lot of where around the area where my brother used to live. Mm-hmm. Um, like. Between H Street and Stanton Park, like, do we not? At, he does live in the city. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, he definitely see, lives in the city in a townhouse. Yeah, because he said just, he could be across town to meet Garcia in ten minutes. I mean, that's so, you see, you can get you can get places yeah. pretty quickly, especially if you got a bike. You can hop on a bike and and get somewhere mm-hmm. pretty quick. So, um, yeah, I do like in that chase scene too, like that the you know when you can see the reflection in the back of the mirror. Oh yeah, and the whoever the female assassin was that we just meet randomly and she's trying to kill them. Yeah. Like she sees them and she's about to shoot them. And then all of a sudden the dog decides that's the moment it's going to jump up and start barking her. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a well set up chase scene. And then that, that's kind of the, the big, you know, the big climactic scene. And then everything else is just kind of them putting everything together. We have gray calling, uh, calling different people and saying, I want to give you a chance to comment, which is just like great. Like yeah. you're, you're busted uh, reporter speak. Yeah. So, absolutely. Um, Good job on them. Yep. Yeah. Um, what I didn't understand is we have Cole walking into a room 
with a whole bunch of recording devices of the yeah. Oval Office. Yeah. And then we cut from, like, I couldn't tell if that was previously recorded footage he was watching or if it was no, a weird was... editing trick where then we go from the recording that he's watching is actually what's going on in the Oval Office and you're watching. So I believe what we're watching on the video is him walk through that room into there. And the implication is that he turned off the audio. Oh, so, so that room is right outside the Oval Office. Yes. That's like the, yes. so, okay. It's the recording room. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes more so sense. So that my, my, my understanding was that he turned off the recording audio so that we wouldn't be able to hear their conversation once he was in the room. Ah, Okay. That that was not at all set up with because he was, he yeah, walked in there with like this guilty look on his face. So then I thought he was I was like, did he delete the audio? He was debating, he, he was debating whether or not like how yeah to do it, and it, you know because it was it's the Watergate moment of this right. movie. Like it's there's it's a couple Watergate, Watergate moment. moment. There's a couple yeah. Watergate moments in this yeah. movie, but yes, like that's it's, it's, yeah. that's the uh, the whatever the the tapes, the Nixon tapes. Yeah, the Nixon had. tapes, the Watergate. Yeah, tapes. and we do have. I mean, you know, if we want to touch on Watergate, because obviously this is the director of all the president's men. That's right. the movie that I think is like the very clear front runner to be next week's movie Absolutely. because of all the connections. But you also have like a climactic scene in a parking structure, yeah. which happens in all the president's men, and you also have the scene where they're watching Darby through the window and she's in the hotel, mm. very much like Watergate. So yeah, and you also um, have like, I mean, they're direct references to the Watergate investigation and you know I mean, yes. he even calls this his Nixoning the president yeah. does. Well and they refer to they refer to where is Darby Shaw, you know, she, is like, she deep deep throat. Throat. like there is, is no she... deep throat, there is no Darby Shaw. Yeah. I mean it's yep. um yeah and and we have a you know the whole movie is you know one of the main characters is a reporter at a Washington, at a Washington newspaper. And I mean the John Lithgow character is basically a stand in for uh Ben Bradley who was the editor of the Washington Post at that time during all the President's Men slash, you know, the 1970s Nixon era, um, played by Jason Robards in All the President's Men. And then so Tom just, Hanks in The Post. Yeah. And T. Hanks in The, in the Post, yes. Yeah. Which is a movie I liked. Yeah, I, I, liked I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, I, I almost feel like, I mean, we've talked through so much connections to All the President's Men. <laughs> I, I think it's the front runner as the best connecting movie i just would be curious if we end up picking it because we basically just did next week's podcast uh yeah, just now. yeah i have been wanting to revisit that movie though so i would not be mad i'm a fan i've read the book and i've seen the movie multiple times so yeah, yeah I'm definitely um, a fan. well you know as we're talking through connections to a movie we have not yet watched do you want to just hop into connections to uh last week's movie and other movies from this year and then we'll do feedback uh let's do that yeah um that sounds great uh right. let's so and connections to last week's movie. Obviously, we have Denzel Washington. We have a movie yep. that's taking place in New Orleans. Yep. Um, we have uh, uh, chasing a, a mystery, chasing a killer, somebody who's killed a whole bunch of people. Um, uh, we have people planning bombs and explosions. Um, yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, we can we talk about the opening credit scene, by the way, where you're watching the sunset over the bayou and just watching the cranes and the pelicans and the birds fly. Like that was gorgeous. I was just like, I really like that because it reminds me, I think it was like, um, it might be point break that opens like that, where you just are yeah. watching, you're watching just watching kind of yeah. yeah footage of an ocean, but, mm -hmm. but we don't understand what do you understand in this movie when you're watching the Pelican brief, you're like, oh, okay, it's Pelicans. I get it. It's the yeah. same, you know, it's the same animal as a, what's in the title. But actually when you're watching what? that, what you don't realize is you're watching the footage. It's going to be in that PBS documentary. Yeah, that exactly. Plays a role. PBS. Right. Yeah. So it actually is. Yeah. It, it is like kind of moving the plot forward a little bit with it this is. Yep. sort of B-roll footage. Yeah. So absolutely. 
Um, so what else to Deja Vu? Um, I also have Darby almost gets on a doomed New Orleans boat. So she almost oh, yeah, gets also on true. the boat yeah. with uh, with Kamel, the yeah, assassin. Yeah. And in the, you know, it's probably right around the same point where that, that boat is in Deja Vu. Good point. Yeah. Um, um, and that's all I have to last week's, but I'm sure you, there might be more that you have. Um, not specifically to Deja Vu, just that, um, you know, we have a lot of characters trying to remember things, remember connections um, to other people and unravel a conspiracy. And that's sort of what Deja, Denzel is doing in Deja Vu as well. You know, it's a, a not to spoil my title connection, but it like, you know, I mean, it's Washington investigating a crime. Mm. And it's, you know, so I think yeah. we have to have New Orleans in there, though. I like, think it, I, well, let me just tell you my title connection. It's yes. a Washington investigation because it's a double entendre. Ooh, I like that. Okay. It's a double entendre. Yeah. All right. I think the Washington investigation is good. Um, yeah. I did. I did like New Orleans, but uh, having New Orleans in there. But I understand not having that. Um, I also will say just a scene where we, you know, another connection is just that we have some scenes where this violence is probably mm-hmm. very much affecting lots of innocent people and does right. not seem to be really moving the needle on the news at all. Like you have all these car bombs going off. You have a car bomb going off in a in a parking structure. And, right. you know, in, in in Deja Vu, we have the big car chase scene and all these people are getting killed. And it's just oh, yeah. it's not. Even, and it's, it's nothing. Not even, yeah, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. So, uh, all right. What about connections to other movies from this year? Yeah, so obviously we have the Julia Roberts connection to my BFF's wedding. Yes. Um, we have no weddings in this movie, but um, couple funerals. Lots of uh, lots of awkward relationships, um, power dynamic relationships. Mm. Um, you know, y- young Frankenstein. Um, the uh, the doctor is having an affair with his assistant. You know, I mean, that's sort of a mm. power dynamic connection mm-hmm. between this and that. Um. Let's I mean, see. that could connect to a whole bunch of movies we did right around this time last year. Yeah, uh, we had bombs uh, in Speed. We had bombs in... Ooh, good call, yeah. Yeah, we had bombs yeah, vehicle, in... Vehicular bombs in Speed. Vehicular bombs. Um, crazy Taxi Ride in uh, Mean Streets in this. And there was one other Crazy Taxi Ride, right? Uh, What's Up Doc? Might have, been, might have been What's Up Doc. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah lots of um, parade, the parade chase in this and in what's up doc speak of what's mm-hmm. up doc um what else um someone came tried up with a bunch to, of other ones that i didn't come up with all right someone um, tried to what tomorrow someone trying to convince someone that they are um part of a larger conspiracy and get their help mm-hmm. um so you have tom cruise having to go back to emily blunt time and again to get her help to figure out how to solve the mystery of the aliens and that's mm-hmm sort of the unraveling the grand conspiracy here. Um, this is very meta stuff, like big brain, big brain connections. Um, Look at the big brain on Brendan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll throw a couple other okay. ones on there. Yeah. Uh, so we had action hotel scenes. So again, yeah. going back to What's Up Doc, who knew there'd be so many connections to What's Up Doc in this movie? Okay. Um, but, you know, we have the chase through the hotel and we have just a lot of scenes taking place in a hotel. So What's Up Doc? Also, uh, Paper Paper Moon as well had some yeah. hotel scenes. Um Stories about journalists. So uh, obviously, my best friend's wedding had a journalist as a main character, but also um, other ones. And I didn't write down what other movie. There's another. What was the other movie that we did that took? That um, Magnolia has journalists. Um, uh, uh, oh, Li- uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia story. Liberty, Liberty Valance and Philadelphia story. Yeah. Um, funerals. We had, you know, again, and actually we had a funeral in Deja Vu. So that's a direct connection to Deja Vu. Yep. Um, 
And uh, we have a character who's getting older and dying in a hospital bed at home. Yep, uh, Magnolia. Tying back to Magnolia, speaking of Jason Robards. Um, yep. And then the connection that came out of the scene in the laundromat mm-hmm. was that we have a character wearing a very cool 90s hat. Very cool 90s hat. <laughs> Nick's hat. And going back to Spy Game, we had the Padres, Padres hat. Padres hat. Nice. Yeah. Uh, still like the Padres hat more than the Nick's hat, but Nick's hat was That's fair. I do like the Padres hat more than the Nick's hat as well. All right. Uh, and uh, what is your movie map, Brenda? What is my movie map? Um, so, you think about it? Yeah, you go first. I'm going to have to think about this one because I didn't have a lot. I mean, out. so I think that you can go a couple different ways. I mean, obviously, you could use John Hurd if you wanted to go. Yeah, just, that's also you know, It's not a great connection, but you could do that. Um, we didn't have any Denzel Washington or Julia Roberts movies last year, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie that immediately came to mind was an early 90s movie. takes place in New Orleans. About a journalist, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, movie number 36 from last year. This is movie number 40 from this year, so almost a year ago. That was Interview with the Vampire. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So nice. um, I don't think there's any cast connections, but I, you know, I, I feel like Interview with the Vampire is just has like the most kind of connective yeah. tissue to this movie. Um, you um, could, I mean, you could you could stretch and say Clue because they're racing around trying to figure out why people are dying and getting unraveling a conspiracy. True. I think um, the other one that you could do is wit- you could do witness as well. You could do witness um, as well. It's a big witness connection, yeah, between yeah. Harrison Ford and Julia Roberts' roles. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, I, I would probably say, or just the birds. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, also, the pelican, the birds. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, um, we didn't mention Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn is in The Fly, right? I don't think Tony Goldwyn had any. Uh, connective tissue in any movies that we've done. I he was in the fly. Maybe he's not. Maybe I don't I know. Let's look around. I don't think Tony Goldwyn was in anything else that we've done. He was in Ghost. That might be what you're thinking of. Um, maybe I'm thinking of Ghost. I thought he was in the fly for some reason. Yeah. Maybe um, I think. Yeah. Uh, Tony Goldwyn really kind of looks like an actor that I've seen in a lot of stuff, but really, I've not oh, seen yeah. anything he's in. Uh, this is the first yeah. movie I've ever seen him. Well, no, I've seen him in this. I guess I saw him in the sixth day as well. Oh, yeah. and speaking of James Patterson, he was in Kiss the Girls. Oh, there you go. Um, so. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we got our movie map. We got our title connection. Um, so now we're going to do our feedback. Um, and guess what, Brendan? Guess what? Our lawyer, Obstensky, sent in a voicemail. Mm-hmm. Now, we broke the rules. Voicemails are supposed to be reserved for the people who suggested the movie. Uh, so if, if your movie gets picked, you are welcome okay. to send in a voicemail. But because of that attorney-client privilege that Ob gets as being one of the previous hosts of this podcast he does get his voicemail played so, so we have I, told people they can send in voicemails anytime they want we're not so we're we, not really that strict on it <laughs> um but yes so uh i am just pulling up that voicemail from av now so we'll kick things off with with av and then we will head over to jeff and the rest of the feedback section excellent Hey, Zach. Hey, Brendan. It's Ab. I was uh, so excited to see that you guys are watching The Pelican Brief this week. Um, I grew up on the novels of John Grisham, devouring them one after another um, during my early teenage years, uh, maybe a little bit even younger. Um, Probably played a big role in why I became a lawyer. I was like so fascinated by his, uh, his ability to write these just like intense legal thrillers, um, just like really loved the worlds that he created and the characters he created. Um, and then of course saw all the movies as they came out. 
uh, one by one. Um, the Pelican Brief is, is among the best, in my opinion. Um, the interplay between Julia Roberts and Denzel is great, two of my favorite actors of all time. Um, and just like a really good mystery, a slow burn that uh, kind of just unravels slowly. Um, and I think is ultimately very uh, satisfactory and fulfilling. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about what it does is the way that it depicts the unglamorous reality of legal work and what being a lawyer is like. Large stretches of this movie is Julia Roberts just spending hours after hours in a legal library doing research. Um, and um, that's the actual work of, of lawyering often, um, unlike the way that it's often shown in movies of, you know, getting the defendant to admit he's the murderer on the stand and all these really exciting things um, that don't really uh, materialize in real life. So, yeah, big fan of the Pelican Brief. Um, I would give it a four out of five stars um, for our next uh, movie. Obviously, uh, we got to go with another John Grisham. Um how are we going to choose one? I guess we'll just go with the best three. So I will uh, share with you my rankings of uh, the eight John Grisham movies that I've seen. I have not seen that, uh, the Christmas one, or there's one called The Gingerbread Man. I never read that or saw the movie. So uh, without further ado, my uh, my ranking of the uh, eight John Grisham movies, number eight, by far the worst, in my opinion, both the book and the movie is The Chamber. Number seven is The Runaway Jury, which uh, they can, like completely changed the topic of the uh the movie from the book wasn't a really big fan of the movie. I, I did like the book a lot. Uh, number six, one where the, the book is possibly my favorite. That's the firm. Um, I'm really not a huge fan of the movie. Um, there's another one where they just like made very big changes to the movie, especially when it comes to the ending that um, I think uh, takes it in a, in a poor direction. Um, of course, you know, movie ladder favorite Tom Cruise is in there. So that might be a good way to go. Nonetheless, um, and then for my number four, I will go with the first uh, John Grisham book that I read is The Client, starring Susan Sarandon. Number three, I would have The Pelican Brief. Um, and then number two, the uh, Francis Ford Coppola's John Grisham's The Rainmaker uh, was close uh, between my number two and my number one. And my number one, of course, that leaves The Time to Kill, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Matthew McConaughey. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, with, with the Pelican Brief sliding at number three, I'll give you three, I'll give you a time to kill, number one, the Rainmaker, number two, and the client, number three. I uh, hope you pick one of them for next week. Bye, guys. All right. Thanks, Av, for calling in. Um, let's, uh, that's a four out of five from Av. Wow, that's yep. really, that's a pretty and high we we got his full rankings too. Yeah, uh, full rankings how, of does, how does that, how does that compare with your rankings of Grisham? Um, Just his top couple. I think it's pretty spot on with my own rankings as well. Um, I the, I'm glad he agrees that the chamber is one of the worst uh, offenses <laughs> to both film and novelization um, out there. It's really not good. It's really really bad. Um, Gingerbread Man is actually really good, and I would encourage him to uh, check it out. Um, Kenneth Branagh stars. It's actually based off of a unpublished um, Grisham Grisham novella. That um, I he may have published after the fact, but he um, it was a thrown away uh, novel concept. Yeah. But uh, I really like the chamber. I have not seen it in a long time, but I remember seeing the chamber, and I was like very moved at the end. I think I cried when I first saw trash. The it's trash. <laughs> I'm sure it's Gene Hackman, uh, yeah. Chris O'Donnell, Gene trash. Hackman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm glad he agrees that um, Rainmaker and Time to Kill are the. Uh, the top ones up there. I, I would also have those as one and two. The client is really fun too. Um, great cast. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
But let's see what right, everybody so else said, Zach. Yeah, that's that's fourth mob. So let's hop fourth into mob. our written yeah. feedback. So from Jeff, I uh, got it in right under the wire. He said, I've seen this movie at least three times before this, and the suspense never seems to dissipate. As I'm watching this, I know how it ends, but the tension is still there. This is a really great suspense thriller. The camera work is stellar, especially when you're seeing it from Darby's point of view. Uh, suspenseful music is timely and just a really well done movie from start to finish. I read the book before I saw the movie and it's one that does do the book justice. So I will give this 4.5 stars nice. and uh, the probably one Denzel Washington hater of anybody in the world. Uh, not really a hater, but he says uh, Denzel plays a very good Denzel, but he's still the same character in this movie. Oh, Jeff. Uh, I don't think no, he I, at I, all I, was the same character in this. And so in Deja either, Vu. But it was a very, very good, uh, very good review from Jeff. Glad he glad he enjoyed it. Uh, glad we got one that he likes. Um, and I, we I got a lot that he likes outside of last yeah, week. I agree with most everything he said. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I, I will disagree with his Denzel takes. But um, what did we see from Darby's point of view? <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm a little confused about. He says he says he really I mean, likes. The camera work, especially when you're th- seeing things from Darby's point of view, is that like first person perspective that I missed in this? I mean, there, there's a lot in the first hour where you're like seeing things from her POV with as far as her relationship with um, Callahan goes. And you like watching her eyes, watching him blow up in the car is pretty, pretty intense. Yeah, but then so, yeah. everything goes slow motion and it totally right. cuts all the dramatic intensity. Right. right. I, I just like, laughed out loud when everything went slow motion. Fair enough. Fair enough. All, All right. right. Well, um, what does Megan the library? Speaking of legal libraries, <laughs> what does Megan the librarian have to say? Megan the librarian says the plot is interesting enough to make the movie watchable, but that's about all I can say for it. Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington don't seem to have much chemistry. Denzel is good, of course, but he doesn't have a ton to work with. I think Julia is a really weak link. Yeah. She played her character as timid and beaten down yeah. when it seemed to me that although no doubt she's scared, she's also angry enough to keep pushing things along. I would have expected that that attitude to come through at some point, but instead she delivers all her lines in the quietest, mousiest possible voice yep. to go along with her mousy incognito outfits. Oh, Speaking of that. which, this movie is also incredibly bland to look at. My, so much... So much beige. Good Lord. 2.5 out of 5. Great point about the beige. It is, there is yeah. not much color in this movie. It is yeah, very it is beige. Very beige. Very um, beige. But I mean, D- DC is full of like gray buildings, at least, especially yeah, in the that's 90s. that's also part of the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, there's and, a really great shot of the um, executive offices next to the White House when yeah. they go to the protest that's outside the White House. And I was like, that's my favorite building in DC. It There's is, a lot is. of great DC yeah. stuff in this. I, I really, really, I, I didn't want to bore people like discussing stuff, uh, yeah. but I will discuss one thing. Could you tell okay. what Metro stop Gray and the Butler from the White House are? Uh, I at? was trying to figure it out. I think it's Union Station. Oh, I thought it was Capital South, maybe. Oh, it could have been Capital. Because I was thinking they were getting off by the Capitol. That was my guess. Oh, yeah, that would make sense too. Um, okay. But there is like a point where we see uh, we see Gray um, running around Penn Quarter. As well, yeah. I definitely noticed Penn Quarter yeah, looks the same. There's, Penn there's Quarter. those yep. there's those buildings in Penn Quarter. Um, he's downtown by Metro Center a little bit. Yep. Um, they go to um, they they do go to uh, what is it called Mount Vernon, which I ne- I've never been to Mount Vernon. The, I've never been to Mount Vernon either. You should go. You're not far from Mount Vernon. It's supposed to be very yeah. cool. So, see um, Georgia Martha. Yeah. All right. Uh, Olin wrote in and says watchable, reasonably well paced, and decent performances. 
think I was more interested in the machinations of the president and the major conspiracy. Mm. Yeah, while there were uh, bad guy killers out there, would have much more enjoyed on the inner workings of that. Uh, multiple Colombo murderer Robert Culp was always going to be a bad president from the outset, but wish he was a <laughs> bit more menacing. Middle of the road, three out of five stars. Fair enough. Yeah, would you uh, like I wish this movie I did better if it was more if it was a government thriller versus a legal thriller? Mm, not necessarily, because I think this still was enough of a government thriller. Um, I I think that um, one of our things next week may be a better government thriller if we go that way. But um, I thought this was more of an investigative journalist thriller than a um, true, yeah, law law thriller. Like the movie didn't seem to care too much about the actual law school side of things or the brief like or true the, yeah they didn't really yeah, even spend much time she just wrote the brief I, like yeah, I the much, titular pelican brief yeah so. i much more saw this as a um investigative journalist movie not a lawyer movie yeah, like, yeah. um no i i uh that's true yeah it's not really a law movie it, it revolves around the law but it's much more in about investigation and you can definitely see why they tap the director and it's definitely about journalism yeah you know, it's a journalism. you can see why they tap the director of um all the, uh, all the president's men yeah. to do this movie because it's so similar. Oh, right. um, sure. And one thing I will say is I'm kind of glad the president wasn't more menacing because they mm. played it where it's questionable how much the president's involved. Is he just exactly. protecting and I, I giving like him a bunch of yeah. money or is he actively involved, like giving the green light on taking out these these exactly. uh, these Supreme Court justices? Because you would think a president would actually want to be nominated Supreme Court justice. It looks good right. on him. It's his legacy. Right. So maybe right. he could be involved. But. It's never I don't think it's ever really quite answered one way or the other how much he's involved, but he does take the fall for it. All right. Well, let's move on to Jim. Jim says the Pelican brief hasn't aged terribly well. The professor student affair being the most obvious, but it was still pretty fun. Roberts and Washington had good performances and there were a bunch of fun. Hey, it's that guys and gals for sure. Three point five out of five. That's that's good. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, I think Megan Librarian and I are the only ones who didn't think that Julia Roberts gave a very good performance. So, uh, and then finally, we'll close things out with Stefan. He says the film is a little slow, but Washington and Roberts uh, do a great job at keeping the energy up. They have amazing chemistry, <laughs> and I wish now that they had done more movies together. The supporting cast is great as well, and it was very fun seeing a young Stanley Tucci. Four out of five Agreed. stars for Olin. Or, sorry, four out of five stars for Stefan, not Olin. Three out of five for Olin. And that's going to give us a listener average of 3.66. 3.66. All right. Um, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a three out of five. So I'm, I'm – my review is probably closer to Megan the Librarian's, but my mm-hmm. score is the same one as Olin's. Um, I thought it was fine. I, it was, like, pretty watchable. Um, I didn't feel like it was – super long but i do feel like they didn't make great use of two and a half hours okay uh there's a lot more like if they're gonna have a two and a half hour long movie they could have done a lot more developed the characters gotten us um more time with enzo washington and, and julia roberts together and for the amount of time that it took to watch this movie twice um that they just didn't kind of live up to that um mm-hmm. and again i wish julia roberts maybe sandra bullock would have been able to do this performance <laughs> confidently although julia roberts is usually pretty confident so. are we connecting to the net next is that what you're thinking uh, it may or may not be on my list uh <laughs> so yeah uh, so I'm gonna go all right three. well i am gonna give this movie a, a higher score than you and i'm right there with the listener average but i'm definitely closer to our higher scored listeners um i'm right there with a 3.5 um i actually really 
think this movie does a lot of things really well. Um, I do agree that there are some places where it could have uh, tightened up or been done a little more clearly or better. But I think the movie still holds up, especially as being um, a really good investigative journalism movie, a really good uh, book-to-film adaptation for this time. Um, given you know how many novels-to-film adaptations there were that were bad in the 90s, it's nice to have one that's actually pretty half-decent. Um, and yeah, so it's a three. Well, there were a lot of good ones too. I mean, Jurassic Park was a year after this. One, so. one movie, one movie. I think but there's a lot of, I know. I think the nineties was like the heyday of book to movies. Like before we started getting like Harry Potter and Hunger Games and like the franchise books to movies, but just like the, the one-off kind of pop read pop lit. I think there's a lot of good book to movies in the nineties. Um, I would argue that there are. We'll have know, to do a debate, debate me. Yeah. All right. So, well, anyways. this is a, uh, 3.38 average overall. Which just bumps it up to a 3.5 for Letterboxd. Oh, nice. Um, 3.5 for Letterboxd, 3.38 is the cumulative score. Um, yeah, and I do, I, one thing I will say, you know, as we're talking about this movie being a book, as I was watching it, I was feeling that this would be a very good book. It'd be a very entertaining mm-hmm. book. The way it's, it's paced, a you could, yeah. yeah, you can definitely see how, um, you know, like, oh, that's where a chapter would end. This, this moment mm-hmm. is where a chapter ends, or this is... You know, and the amount of characters in this and, and, you know, kind of they get jumbled up in a movie, but in a book, it's probably a little bit easier to keep straight. Yeah, it's definitely a beach read. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that it was on many people's beach bags back in the 90s. Yeah. Did you tell me what, what book, if I was going to read one John Grisham book, if I was going to go to the library right now and get a John Grisham book, what should I get? Which one do I think you personally should get? Um, I think you would actually want to read The Firm, the Firm because it's okay. his first big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would probably want to do a po- watch the movie and do a podcast about the movie. Nice. But um, yeah, I would say sounds firm, fun. I think you should read the firm. Cool. All right. And uh, of course, our title connection, as you see, if you're looking at your podcast app, a Washington investigation. Mm-hmm. All right, Brendan, let's get on to our ladder rung segment. Of course, this is where we pick our movie for next week based on suggestions sent in from the listeners and us, your hosts, bring. Uh, once we do pick a movie, make sure you send us your feedback at LadderMovie on Twitter. The movieladder at gmail.com is the email address, so send in that feedback for Brendan to collate for next week. And make sure you follow us on Letterboxd, the movie ladder on Letterboxd. That's the uh, best way to see all the movies that we've covered. You can see our watch list, which has all the movies that have been suggested over the lifetime of this podcast, coming up very quickly on almost two years. Uh, this is movie number 92. We're going to be at 100 before we know it. Nice. Big number 100. Number. So, uh, yeah. Um, Brendan, what do you think? Do you think, before we can get into this, we talked a lot about how there's one standout movie that is the best connection to this. Do you think it's All the President's Men, or do you think there's other I do movies? think it's All the President's Men. Um, I'll be very surprised if it doesn't come up in a listener suggestion, and if it does, does it get picked? Um, mm-hmm. But I also think there are a lot of, like, interesting movies out there that are at least on my list that could lead us down a different road if we wanted to go in a different direction. Um, yeah, but yeah. I agree. I, I think all the president's men is the obvious connection, but we, the obvious connection doesn't always get picked. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't always like, like, I mean, you know, we don't always like to go with the obvious connection because it's usually, that means it's a movie people have seen a million times or, right. you know, well, well, last week the obvious connection was tenant and we didn't go with yeah. tenant. Right. So or, uh, three days of the condor before, uh, yeah. Yeah, before we did uh, Spy Game. Before we did Sky Game. Yeah. yeah. So, so, all right. Uh, well, let's see. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of Grisham come up, um, just, mm-hmm. I guess. And we're going to kick things off with Jeff. And his suggestions are all Grisham novels. So he <laughs> suggests 
The Firm, uh, fun fact, The Firm also came out in 1993. Yep. Um, so Pelican Brief was December 1993. I'm assuming The Firm was earlier. Look at this summer movie. Yeah. So starring Tom Cruise. Put Tom Cruise on the how, who knows how many timers club on this podcast. Many, many yeah. times Tom Cruise. Uh, next one is another movie that came up very high on both your list and Ov's list. That is The Time to Kill. Um, I'm sure you've seen A Time to Kill. What are your A Time to Kill I've seen, I know I've seen it. Um, okay. I don't remember a ton of it except like the really climactic moment. Um, right. I think it would be interesting to watch now because I'm sure mm-hmm. it's, you know, very different, you know, the uh, time period now versus when it was made. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed okay. to it. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's a great movie. Uh, it's, what, it's probably the, would you say The Firm or Time to Kill is the most classic Grisham? Uh, I think it's, I think A Time to Kill is the one people go to all the time when they say that it's the best one. And I wouldn't disagree. Um, but I think the firm is one that deserves a revisit. Um, Let's take a look. I'm going to Google John Grisham movies, and I'm going to see what the first one to come up is. And it is a Time to Kill. This is the first yeah. one that comes up on Google. Right. So a Time to Kill. Then the Rainmaker actually is number two. Oh, wow. Then the Firm. Then the Pelican Brief. Gotcha. So, um, you'll be happy to know the Chamber is the last of uh, <laughs> those. <laughs> Besides Christmas with the Cranks and Ginger. Oh Bunny, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to our list. So Jeff had the Firm. Time to Kill. Next one is Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the top three on there. Uh, I have not seen Rainmaker, and I'm a big Francis Ford well, Coppola fan, so blind spot for me. And then Runaway Jury, John Cusack, and um, is Gene Hackman in that one as well? Um, maybe, yeah. I believe, yeah. Um, and I have seen Runaway Jury. I like I liked it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Megan the Librarian. She has Marvin's Room from 1996. Uh, features Hume Cronin. Uh, Cronin. Hume Cronin. Yeah. Hume Cronin. Oh, so that he's the guy who played uh, Rosen, uh, Rosenkrantz, Rosenberg. Gildas. So what I noticed with Rosenberg was that, yes. or with that actor with Hume, was that they put and featuring Hume Cronin. Like, uh, so I like that Megan the Librarian said that it features him. It, yeah. Like it's you know like he's like the special guest star of this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, should I have been familiar with him? So. Mm, I mean, he was in like all of the like classic old man movies where. Old men go do funny things in the 80s, like um, Batteries Not Included and um, the one with the alien eggs. Uh, cocoon. Cocoon. There you go. Cocoon. That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. He was uh, in... Yeah, he's, in, he's in a version of 12 Angry Men um, from 1997, oh, yeah, he was in the, though. Yeah. He was in the 12 Angry Men from 97. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyways, back to her suggestion. Uh, so Hume Cronin. We can't pick this because it's too hard to say his name. Uh, features as a sick old man whose health issues set the whole plot in motion. That is Marvin's room. Um, I know Leo is in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Leo. Next one, a movie that was on my list, August, August Osage County. Yep. Sam Shepard plays an alcoholic whose death has major repercussions for Julia Roberts. Also set in the South. And that was on my list as well. Uh, then another movie from 1993. I already come up once. That is The Firm. Another yep. John Grisham adaptation from the same year as the Pelican Brief. And Megan says she's been thinking about rewatching this anyways. Mm-hmm. And finally, from 1999, Dick. Movies about young women who unwittingly become involved in U.S. presidential scandals. Sure, you go with the other Watergate movie, All the President's Men, because of the Alan pa- uh, Pakula connection. Uh, but isn't Dick even funnier option? Sure. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, like, all right. So then, uh, Olin. His first connection suggested it a bunch of times. Mike Collins from 1996, Julia Roberts film with a series of assassinations, some very reminiscent in the style to the Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. I can imagine what that would mean. Can't we'll imagine what that, that means either. Yeah. 
Uh, next on All the President's Men from 1976, probably the ultimate film about journalistic investigation into corruption of a serving U.S. president. Mm-hmm. And f- same, you know, director connection as well for that. Lots of all the other connections we talked about. And his third one, Ghostbusters. William Atherton plays someone looking to prevent environmental malpractice. Yeah, there you go. That's very fun. That's ten a very years, fun, tidy connection, yeah. Yeah, 10 years before the Pelican Brief, William Atherton playing yeah. a government uh a government suit, I guess you would call that. Yep. So, all right. Uh, then Jim, for his rung, he's going to go with another political cr- thriller based on a book with a bird in the title. Oh, very nice. 1975's Three Days with the Condor. Three Days of the Condor. Uh, they have a number of other plot connections that I'm not going to spoil here. But that's probably not surprising since thrillers reuse a lot of the same tricks. It may be too soon to go back to Robert Redford's, but sometimes the obvious answers are the best ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very all right. Uh, Stefan has Spotlight, a group of reporters breaking a big news story. I believe there might be a cast connection in Spotlight, too, because Spotlight came up earlier for me. Um, Spotlight came was, up for me, too, on research. my uh, short list. Yep. Uh, Charles Wilson's War, Julia Roberts in a political film that involves secrets. Mm. And finally, To Kill a Mockingbird, a legal drama with a bird in the title. Ooh, there very you go. Uh, also, based on, a, based on a novel. Oh, nice. Good suggestions. Uh Everybody, very, very creative ones that we have here. And then, of course, uh, I've had his Grisham three. So the Rainmaker, Time to Kill and the Client yep. is three. Not in that order. I just read them out of order. Um, yeah, very fun. Um, right. And good connections uh, from the listeners this week. Yeah, like good connections it. from the listeners. Um, I definitely still have a bunch that have not come up. So that's good. Um, yeah. But a bunch that did come up. So, uh, Brendan, you get to go first this week. So um, earlier you said there was a front runner um for possible connections and mm-hmm. it made me think hey i have something written down on my list and it's the front runner which is a film starring hugh jackman uh mm-hmm. that came out a couple of years ago involving a presidential scandal and trying to cover it up um also thought about another alan J. cool movie this um parallax view from yep. i think 1978 um <clears throat> Uh, this has come up before. Never mind, I'm not going to use it. Um, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Brockovich is Julia Roberts <laughs> playing a legal assistant. So I thought that was a really good connection. Get so many of my connections here, my suggestions here. Yep. And um, and then I also thought about a uh, journalist who is having trouble putting a story together and has sort of a mental breakdown. Um, and that's Shattered Glass. Hmm. And that is my fourth. Do I want to go with a fifth? Nope, I'm going to just stick with those four. But I have a bunch of also rants when we get to it. Nice. All right, well, now I have to redo my connections because I had Aaron Brockovich, or my suggestions, because I had Aaron Brockovich and Parallax View. Parallax View, of course, is about a, an assassination as well and being the same director. Aaron Brockovich, in addition to julia roberts playing a lawyer or a legal assistant the movie i believe is all about like environmental regulations too or yes, environmental um, yeah i've seen it yeah. but yeah it's a, i've never seen that either um, it's a wide spot for me and and she was nominated for an oscar for that one i believe yeah um yeah that could that could be a fun one and, you know you know one thing that we didn't actually mention is this movie pelican brief all about oil and environmental mm-hmm. issues erica brockovich all about uh environmental issues and there is there was unfortunately very poorly timed uh, oil spill in California just a couple days ago. So, uh, all right. Well, I have to redo a bunch of my connections because I don't actually have very many to choose from. Um, most of them got taken. So the first one I will do is In the Line of Fire, 
Uh, this one yeah, reminds me a lot of that. It's on my honorable mentions. Yeah. yeah, DC in 1993. John Hurd is in that movie. Um, that's the one that I watched that when I was in DC, yeah. and I was very like excited yep. to see uh, my city just you know 20 years before I lived there. Uh, next one, you brought it up earlier. It was not initially going to be one I suggested, but I will go with The Net. Sandra Bullock nice. being pursued by mysterious conspiracy uh, takes place in the early 90s. Use of old computers. Have to wear a bunch of hats and wigs to tie her identity. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, uh, what else do I want to put on there? Um, I had there will be blood. I don't think this is a great connection. To there will be blood. Um, so I'll go with Philadelphia. Also, Denzel Washington okay. in a legal movie. Um, I believe it also came out either in '93 or right around then. No. Um, and uh, let's go with conspiracy theory. So. I didn't know if I, yeah, that's similar to the net. I feel like, but it's Julia Roberts, Mel Gibson, Mel yeah. Gibson is like a conspiracy knot. And, uh, yep. I haven't Julia seen Roberts is a journalist, I believe. Yeah. Um, Tried to it, help it could be fun yeah. to revisit that, uh, despite the Mel Gibson of it all. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one I remember seeing in the theaters and really liking, um, mm-hmm. but I imagine it does not hold up. Um, other honorable mentions. There were a couple of Sam Shepard's, movies that i thought about throwing on there including um days of heaven and uh killing them softly mm-hmm. um killing them softly i also thought about because it has james gandolfini in it but you know that would just be me trying to force the i actually uh, just saw killing them softly it's very good i liked it it's good nice mm-hmm. um also i thought about uh denzel washington tried to protect a young woman from people out to kill her so i thought about that on fire Second week um, in a row. Could have could have yep. done that. Um, the Firm and Rainmaker were both on my short list. Um Clute from out Alan J. Picola was on my short list. Um Whiskey Hit Tango Foxtrot about an investigative journalist um was on my short list. Uh that's about it. Yeah. yeah. The only other one that didn't get mentioned um is I Love Trouble, which I don't okay. even really know yeah. much about that. Uh, yeah, Nick Nolte and, and Julia Robertson, I believe that they play reporters. They um, do play. They play rival reporters. Yeah. Oh, rival reporters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I thought that could be fun, but nice. I, that's. The, I feel like the I Love Trouble is is one of those movies I used to see at the video store a lot. I would see yeah. the, the cover for it. Um, I would guarantee it does not hold up. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of video store covers, the Pelican Brief is like an iconic movie poster. I feel like just like the yeah, yellow, with the big Julia Roberts face, and then you see them yeah. like. Um, you know, with their like at the computer, or just it's just mm-hmm. like an iconic um VHS cover. So. Yeah, very good. All right, well, let's take it from the top. All right, suggestions we have: uh, The Firm, A Time to Kill, Rainmaker, Runaway Jury, Marvin's Room, August, Osage County, The Firm, Dick, Michael Collins, All the President's Men, Ghostbusters, Three Days of the Condor, Spotlight. Charlie Wilson's War, To Kill the Mockingbird, A Time to Kill, The Rainmaker, The Client, The Front Runner, Parallax View, Aaron Brockovich, Shattered Glass, In the Line of Fire, The Net, Philadelphia, and Conspiracy Theory. I'm kind of bummed because every single movie that I picked for my suggestions are movies I've seen. Um, uh, it's yeah, been a while since every single one that I, yeah. I've, I've seen all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but, all four of minor ones I have not seen. Yeah, well, it will be. I mean, had I gone with my initial suggestions, it would have been Brockovich, Parallax View, August Osage County, and yeah. uh, we would have had a mix. probably the firm or the, all the president's yeah. men. So it would have been all new stuff for me. But Fair unfortunately, enough. everybody took it. All right, uh, I get to go first this week. Yep. Um. So I really like a couple of these suggestions. Obviously, August Osage County was on my list. Um. 
you know, I'm a little swayed by the fact that it's almost Halloween, but I do think that Olin's suggestion of Ghostbusters is very fun. And very we just go clever. back 10 years in time. We go from 93 to 83. Um, you know, it does involve the environment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, last year we did Beetlejuice around this time, I believe. Yeah, Beetlejuice was our 40th movie last year. This will be our 41st movie this year. Um, so we did the we did Beetlejuice, The Fly, The Birds uh, right around Halloween time last year. Um, so, yeah, let's, I don't know. Like, Ghostbusters could be fun. Let's let's revisit it. I don't know if the connection's strong enough, but sure. Um, yeah. We can go with it. Yeah, um, we'll, see, we'll see what else gets suggested. We'll see what else gets suggested. Um, then, see, this is where you picking first gets really tough for me because I have to now think about what listener suggestion I want, and there are so many good ones. I think, I think Stefan with To Kill Mockingbird and Jim with Three Days of a Condor, I'd like that both brought in birds. Yeah, uh, I think both are both I don't necessarily think we have to pick those, but I do think the, I just want to shout out those are both very good suggestions. Yeah, those are both very good suggestions. Very and like Megan Librarian suggesting, you know, multiple that are on my list. Yeah, I mean, Dick Dick is a very clever suggestion, too, because it's like the opposite of picking all the president's men. Mm-hmm. It would actually probably be fun, and it's a blind spot for me. It's a movie I've never seen. And it would be a different take on... Pretty farcical. I movie. saw it, but I don't remember it. Very yeah. Much. Um, but I also kind of want to go with the Rainmaker because you've never seen it and pick that as the Grisham mm-hmm. connection, um, which I think is what I'm going to do is pick the Rainmaker. Awful. Rainmaker for you. All right. Um, yeah. And I will say I've like the firm and a time to kill. I've probably seen both yeah. of those, but I really don't remember a ton about them. I think on the firm, I remember Tom Cruise walking on a hey. beach at some point or running on a beach and Tom Cruise on a beach. That's kind uh, of all I remember. From the he definitely beach. runs down the street. A lot. No, it's like a beach. Is, is there a scene where he's on the beach? In the firm? Yeah. Yeah, he's maybe. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> we'll find out if we ever pick it. Um, it you know, old. Oh, sorry, we didn't pick Michael Collins. Uh, yeah, I know it's yeah. come up a bunch of times. Someday well, we will. Yeah. We'll, this means we'll... that 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 all the presidents men is not on the board. It's crazy. If yeah. Have, if you Did have I... not seen all the presidents men, go go watching all the presidents do men. Little, I mean, do a little bonus ladder. It's very, I might do, well, if it's I have very, some time this week, which I won't, maybe I'll do a bonus ladder of all the presidents men. Um, so what run. are you picking of the front runner of the parallax view, Aaron Brockovich or shattered glass? Uh, it's I between parallax all, view and Aaron Brockovich. Both were on yeah, my list. They all have very strong connections. Um, parallax view came up a few weeks ago as well. Um, mm-hmm. Both are blind spots for both of us, right? You haven't seen either yes, of them. Correct. All right. Is it uh, cheating if I looked at both just to see which one is more streamable and pick based on that? Uh, um, go for it. Yeah, go for all it. All right. All right. So uh, I'm going to go with Now either. I have to think about if I want to pick In the Line of Fire, The Net, Philadelphia, or Conspiracy Theory. Yeah. Um, um, one of those four I have actually never seen. So it would be very interesting. What's the um, four that you've never – what's the one you've never seen? I've never actually seen Philadelphia. Okay. All right, so what are you picking of mine? Uh, I'm still I'm still pulling them up. I was trying to filibuster. Right. So Aaron Brockovich not streaming anywhere. Um, it's on like yeah. Parallax nothing, View nothing. is probably on uh, Amazon to rent, mm-hmm. but not stream. I would imagine. Yeah, Letterbox is being very slow to pull up Parallax okay. View. There we go. Parallax View is on Amazon Prime and Canopy. Okay, Parallax View is very streamable. Canopy nice. and Amazon Prime. So uh, Parallax View it is for me. Um, I mean, it seems like a very like there were a lot of connections to it. Uh, Alan Pakula is uh, you know directed it. I'll have to learn how to say his name if we do pick this movie for next week though. Yeah, but and I think in, for the DC connection and the DC conspiracy, I have to, from your list I need to pick in the line of fire. Ah, all right, in the line of fire. As your connection in the 
in the in the line yeah. of of fire. fire. Um, yeah. So, so uh, uh, you know, so we have a very very wide variety. Interesting of Final Four. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so of course Parallax View, as I said, is on Amazon Prime and Canopy. Yeah. Um, oh, Steven Soderbergh did it. Aaron Brockovich. I did not realize that. I did um, not realize that either. So, um, so yeah, Ghostbusters, The Rainmaker, Parallax View, In the Line of Fire, Final Four. Um, I really kind of want to go Parallax View. I mean, yeah, uh, let's. I, I think. Ra- the, I mean, The Rainmaker would be good because I've never seen it. Ghostbusters would be good because it's timely, but I do yeah. kind of. Time, uh, Ghostbusters is the weakest connection. It might. is the weakest connection. Um, so In the Line as of Fire. Is, oh, it. In the Line of Fire is on both Netflix and HBO Max, uh, oh, starring wow. Clint Eastwood, wow. John Malkovich. That's also a good connection. And you haven't seen In the Line of Fire, or you have? I have. You have. Okay. I have. Uh, it yeah. would just be fun to revisit it. Um, uh, as all right. DC Ghostbusters movie. is not streaming anywhere, even though I'm sure everybody owns it. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I think we I, I think do. we cross that one off. Okay. Um, Rainmaker is on Stars and. So CBS All Access, so I'd assume Paramount Plus as well. Yeah. Um, that one, Francis Ford Coppola from 1997, starring Matt Damon. Um, it's the John Grisham connection. I mean, it's John pretty... Grisham connection. I think we go with Parallax View. Um, you know, going back to the 70s, but yeah, neither of us have seen it. And time hopping. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a political. I like hopping through time. Yeah. yeah. Like like we're in deja vu. So. Um, all right, Parallax View it is. That's what we're doing next week. Works for me. Um, somebody tell me how to say this guy's name. Alan, Alan J. J. P- Pacula. Pacula. Or Pacola. Or Pacula. <laughs> definitely not Pacula. <laughs> Scott Pacula. That's what we're going with. Uh, I don't even Who is Scott Pacula? Why does that name... Why is that name in my head? Who is Scott Pacula? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, who is that? Scott Bakula is an actor that was on Quantum Leap, which we are about <laughs> to do back into the 1970s. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he was also on Star Trek, uh, Sco- not Discovery, uh, Star Trek Enterprise and Chuck. And he's a very prolific TV actor. How dare you, sir? Oh, I believe yeah. he was also, speaking of New Orleans, he was the star of CSI New Orleans. Hmm. Yeah. Um. The short-lived New Orleans reboot. Of wow. So, uh, Alan, Alan Pecula, Alan J. Pecula also produced uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh. He didn't direct it, but he produced it. Interesting so, connection. Another another uh, connection to add to Stefan's. So, all right. Well, yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Parallax View. Right. I have a feeling Parallax exciting. View is going to be a first watch for a lot of our listeners. That's um, exciting. I hope everybody has some fresh takes then. Yeah, it doesn't look like any of our regulars have uh, weighed in on this movie. So that'll be fun. Talk about that Very one. Exciting. Streaming on Amazon Prime, also on Canopy. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if you want to do a little bonus watch, you can do All the President's Men as well. I mean, you really could connect from All the President's Men to Parallax View. Are we going to say we are not doing All the President's Men off of Parallax View? We're definitely not. Like, because it could, you know, same director. I mean, we definitely could. But I don't Two years think later, we... same director. We definitely could. But I feel like that's i mean i guess i guess if, if if somebody can make a good enough case for it but i would say probably not picking that next week so if you want to just go ahead and watch that as a bonus you're welcome to or you'd be ahead of the game um all right well uh brendan that's the pelican brief next week yes. staying with p titles parallax view it'll be fun neither of us know anything about it um what else are you planning to watch this week uh, so we are up to film noir week on the criterion challenge i'm not i'm a really week exciting. behind still 
Yeah, well, I am. Uh, so I have to decide what I'm going to watch. Um, if I can finally find it, I've had Notorious on my list forever. Mm. And if I can finally find Notorious streaming, I will um, be running that, uh, classic Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as TV stuff, I'm planning on checking out more Squid Game. I've watched the first two episodes. I'm really good enjoying it. Um, excited to Are check you going to watch Squid Game tonight? I'll probably watch a couple more episodes tonight, yeah. I was going to say, I'll watch, maybe I'll watch episode two right when we get off this podcast, and then I can There you go. Text well, you. I got to go find some dinner anyway. Oh, so right. there you we'll go. Do that um, and then uh, tomorrow is, uh, we talked about the finale of season one of What If, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, Great British Bake Off has been really fun so far this year. I know I talked about it last week as, as well. Um, first two episodes have been really, really fun. So if people need something comf- comforting to watch, that is very low investment in your brain, definitely check out Great British Bake Off on Netflix. Unlike um, Squid Game. Yeah, unlike Squid Game. It's like the polar opposite of Squid Game. Yeah. Um, but that's – what about you? What do you got to uh, I don't know. I feel like I haven't had time to watch very many movies or TV shows lately. Yeah. Um, but I am up to Wild Strawberries on my Criterion Watch because you have to watch something Ooh. from titles two to 100 to 200. So I think I'm probably going to watch Wild Strawberries. I also am behind on my monthly movie challenge as well. Um, so I'm supposed to have watched a black and white uh, musical. So I might do that at some point this week. Yeah. Um, probably going to try to watch Squid Game tonight. Um, mm. At least episode two. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to binge the whole thing. But I'd like to get no, to the point where not. you're at, so then I can talk to you about it openly. Definitely do. Um, and yeah, other stuff. I mean, and obviously Parallax View. Gonna watch that for next week. Yeah, excited for Parallax View next week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Finzy Brendan, uh, or on Instagram at BrendFins11. Um, obviously send in your emails and suggestions for next week. Yes. Really excited to see what everybody thinks. Yeah, the movieletter gmail.com is where you can send that email and send in your score, your review of the Parallax View, your Parallax review, and your <laughs> suggestions off of that. Um, just saying, we are getting close to Halloween, so keep that in mind. Um, yeah. And who knows? I mean, there, this movie may actually be scary. I don't know. I Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the poster is pretty scary. Thing, so. The poster is like a guy, like, with yeah. his arms out, you know. Looks pretty scary. Yeah. Um, Sean Fennessy, four and a half stars for this movie, so Olin's going to hate uh, it. So Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Brooks ZA on all platforms and uh oh no time to die that's what i'm gonna watch this week no time oh to yeah die. that is what we're gonna watch this week i'm yeah. very excited for no time yeah. to die uh james Bo- james bond movie and maybe a james bond and fast and furious podcast coming sometime soon Ooh, maybe who knows I, I i you know what no time to die is gonna come out and then we're gonna do the <laughs> f9 podcast probably the same night just knock them both out in the same i can't always reserve time with mac and then the door is closed on those podcast projects amazing so uh, stay tuned and tune in next week to hear us talk about the Parallax View, a movie as American as apple pie, according to the tagline for that movie. Fantastic. Oh, Hume, Hume Cronin is in the Parallax View. Parallax View.